Today, I want to bring you with a begin with a story from the Bible, a recently discovered lost chapter of Genesis. It goes like this. Adam walked in the garden and cried out to God, you used to walk with me every day. Now I do not see you anymore. I'm lonely here. And it is difficult for me to remember how much you loved me. And God said, I will create a companion for you that will be with you forever and who will be a reflection of my love for you so that you will love me even when you cannot see me regardless of how selfish or childish or unlovable you may act at times. This new companion will accept you as you are and will love you unconditionally just as I do. And God created a new companion for Adam, and it was a good companion, and God was pleased. And the new companion was pleased to be with Adam and wagged its tail. <laughs> and Adam said, Lord, I have already named all the animals of the kingdom, and I cannot think of a name for this new animal. And God said, because I have created this new companion to be a reflection of my love for you, his name will be a reflection of my own name, and you will call him Dog. And God lived with Adam, pardon me, Dog lived with Adam, and was a companion for him and loved him. And Adam was comforted, and God was pleased, and Dog was content and wagged his tail. After a while, it came to pass that Adam's guardian angel came to the Lord and said, Lord, Adam has become filled with pride. He struts and preens like a peacock. He demands praise and adoration. Dog has indeed taught him that he is loved, but perhaps too well. And the Lord said, I will create for him a companion who will be with him forever and who will see him as he is. The companion will remind him of his humanness so he will know that he does not always deserve praise and adoration. And God created Cat <laughs> to be a companion to Adam. And Cat would not obey Adam and when Adam gazed into Cat's eyes, he was reminded that he was not the supreme being. And so it came to pass that Adam learned humility. And God <clears throat> was pleased. And Adam was greatly improved. And Dog was happy. And Cat. Well, cat didn't care one way or the other. If you have a cat, you know the wisdom of that story. I actually do have a biblical story for you this morning, also from Genesis, but this one was found in the real version at chapter 12. <clears throat> and unlike the previous story, it is actually relevant to our topic this morning, returning home to truth. 
Remember, as I relay this ancient story, that biblical passages can have deep and rich personal meaning for us if we look beyond the surface. The Bible, in a symbolic or metaphorical sense, is the story of us. Everything in it symbolizes stages of consciousness, our unfolding awareness of our connection with God. So the story I want to share with this morning appears in Genesis chapter 12, is the story of Abraham. When at 75 years of age, God said to him, get out of your country and from your family and from your father's house into the land that I will show you and I will make of you a great nation. And so Abraham and his wife and Lot, his brother's son, took their possessions and journeyed into the land of Canaan. There they became rich. But the herdsmen of Lot and Abraham quarreled among themselves, and they had so many herds that the land was not able to support them all. Abraham was of a pretty generous nature, so he gave Lot his choice of land. Naturally, Lot selected the fertile section, the plains around Sodom and Gomorrah. Of course, we know how that went, but that's a different story, and we won't go there today. To Abraham was left the hilly country near Hebron. One day, Adam was feeling pretty low. He was sitting in his tent with the flap down, shrouded in gloom, probably saying to himself, I thought I was supposed to found a new nation. And here I am on a, a rocky hill with old age upon me. My dream is gone. Oh, woe is me. Then, once again, the voice of God was upon him and told the old man to come outside. God said, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which you see, I will give it to you and your seed forever. Suddenly, Abraham was filled with life and vitality. Suddenly, he saw the vastness of the sky. He saw that the world was bigger than the patch of ground on which his tent was pitched. He got a sense of far horizons. His soul revived. The old man went on his way and founded a new nation. As I said a moment ago, Biblical passages have deep and rich meaning for us if we look beyond the surface. The Bible, in a personally symbolic sense, is the story of us. Everything in it symbolizes stages of consciousness, our unfolding awareness of our connection with God. Abraham represents our consciousness. Sometimes feeling connected, listening to that inner guidance, sometimes not feeling connected, wondering where that inner guidance is. He did a good job 
for his nephew by letting him choose the best land, after which he felt like he got the short end of the stick and got depressed and downtrodden. But in the long run, he stuck with God, and he flourished. In other words, in the long run, he returned home to truth. The first important phrase in our Bible story is, get out of your country and from your family and from your father's house into the land that I will show you and I will make of you a great nation. On the symbolical level, these words are saying that if we aspire to go to a new land, which means to attain a, a higher experience in life or a higher level of understanding, we must be willing to leave the old. If we want our lives to be happy and full, if we want to do great things in the world, if we want to experience peace, joy, abundance, and harmony, we must be willing to let go of the lesser in consciousness. Let go of the small beliefs. Get out of your country. Here's a, a story that illustrates this idea, I think, beautifully. A cheerful little girl with bouncy golden curls was almost five. Waiting with her mother at the checkout stand, she saw them. A circle of glistening white pearls in a pink foil box. Oh, mommy, please, mommy, can I have them? Please, mommy, please. Quickly, the mother checked the back of the little foil box and then looked back into the pleading blue eyes of her little girl's upturned face. A dollar ninety-five. That's almost two dollars. If you really want them, I'll think of some extra chores for you, and in no time you can save enough money to buy them for yourself. Your birthday's only a week away, and you might get another crisp dollar bill from Grandma. As soon as Jenny got home, she emptied her penny bank and counted out 17 pennies. After dinner, she did more than her share of chores, and she went to the neighbor and asked if she could pick dandelions for 10 cents. On her birthday, Grandma did give her another new dollar bill, and at last she had enough money to buy the necklace. Jenny loved her pearls. They made her feel dressed up and grown up. Jenny wore them everywhere, Sunday school, kindergarten, even to bed. The only time she took them off was when she went swimming or, or had a bubble bath. Mother said if they got wet, they might turn her neck green. Jenny had a very loving daddy. And every night when she was ready for bed, he would stop whatever he was doing and come upstairs to read her a story. One night, as he finished the story, he asked Jenny, do you love me? Oh, yes, Daddy, you know that I love you. Then give me your pearls. Oh, Daddy, not my 
pearls. You, you can have Princess, the white horse from my collection, the one with the pink tail. Remember, Daddy, the one you gave me? She's my very favorite. That's okay, honey. Daddy loves you. Good night. And he brushed her cheek with a kiss. About a week later, after the story time, Jenny's daddy asked again, do you love me? Daddy, you know I love you. Then give me your pearls. Oh, Daddy, not my pearls. But you can have my baby doll, the brand new one I got for my birthday. She's beautiful. And you can have the yellow blanket that matches her sleeper. That's okay. Sleep well. God bless you, little one. Daddy loves you. And as always, he brushed her cheek with a gentle kiss. A few nights later, when her Daddy came in. Jenny was sitting on her bed with her legs crossed, Indian style. As he came close, he noticed her chin was trembling, and one silent tear rolled down her cheek. What is it, Jenny? What's the matter? Jenny didn't say anything, but lifted her little hand up to her daddy. And when she opened it, there was her little pearl necklace. With a little quiver, she finally said, Here, Daddy, this is for you. With tears gathering in his own eyes, Jenny's daddy reached out with one hand to take the dime store necklace. And with the other, he reached into his pocket and pulled out a blue velvet case with a strand of genuine pearls and gave them to Jenny. He had them all the time. He was just waiting for her to give up the dime store stuff so he could give her the genuine treasure. Now this is not a story about sacrifice. No, it is a story that illustrates the fact that our greater experience cannot live in the same space as our lesser idea. Our lesser idea must go so that the greater experience can come in. And that is a critical, important part of our expansion in consciousness and in our experience. But it is also a step, not the entire enchilada. The story of Abraham shows us that it wasn't enough. The Bible tells us he became rich, but he still had his challenges. His herdsmen and Lot's herdsmen were getting along not well. They were squabbling over the land. So Abraham gave Lot his choice of land and then felt that he was left with a plot of worthless soil. So just leaving the old country wasn't enough. He had to do more, and he was told what to do. Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are. 
And that's our most important phrase this morning. Lift up your eyes from the place where you are. Look eastward, look westward, look southward, look northward. All the land that you see, I will give to you and your descendants. Look upward to higher truths. Once we return home to higher truths, once we make a commitment to seeing the far horizons beyond that which is in front of us, then we shall truly flourish. I want to give you three additional examples of people who stayed committed to truth. They moved from the miraculous to the lofty to the everyday. First example, the miraculous. Before every miracle Jesus performed, whether it was making a lame man walk, raising Lazarus from the dead, or turning water into wine, he literally looked away from the condition and lifted his eyes and saw a higher truth. Remember when he told us, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free? The second example is the lofty example. In December of 1892, Charles and Myrtle Fillmore, founders of the Unity School of Christianity, came to a point of decision in their lives. Out of the turmoil of illness and financial reverses, they had been searching for understanding and had gained a powerful insight into truth. They made, at the same time, a commitment to truth. They even wrote it down, and it read like this. We, Charles and Myrtle Fillmore, husband and wife, hereby dedicate ourselves, our time, our money, all we have and all we expect to have to the spirit of truth and through it to the society of silent unity. It being understood and agreed that the said spirit of truth shall render unto us an equivalent for this dedication in peace of mind, health of body, wisdom, understanding, love, life, and an abundant supply of all things necessary to meet our everyday want without our making any of these things the object of our existence. To Charles Fillmore, this commitment was as dependable as the rising and setting of the sun. He claimed that truth demonstrates itself. We need not make demonstrations. We need only make a commitment to live in the divine flow and keep it. And they did. And they did. They made the commitment, they kept it, and they lived in the flow. And unity is, of course, a new thought movement that is alive and well today. And that brings us to the third example, the everyday example. My friend Marilyn and her husband were moving to a new home, the home of their dreams. They hadn't yet sold their home out of which they were moving, but she lived from the place of connection with the higher truth. 
and therefore knew it would sell in the right and perfect time. So they busily and excitedly prepared to move. Moving day arrived, and the moving truck was scheduled for 9 o'clock a.m. But at 10 o'clock a.m. and 11 a.m. and noon, it still hadn't arrived. How many people would be furious about this? calling the moving company because they had completely messed up your carefully timed schedule? Well, she didn't do that. Instead, she lifted up her eyes to a higher truth and simply knew that the delay was a divine delay. And she kept herself busy cleaning the house and preparing it for the next perfect owners. The divine delay actually lasted five hours. The movers were five hours late. But here's the glorious thing. At hour four, unscheduled and unexpected, a couple with no realtor arrived at their doorstep asking if they could look at the house. Marilyn and her husband welcomed them in amid the boxes and chaos, but that didn't matter to the couple. They fell in love with the house And as you have already figured out, they bought it. Yes, it was divine delay. So whether you choose to create miracles in your life, manifest lofty goals and dreams, or simply have your day-to-day life work, return home to the truth again and again and again. So this morning... I would like us to return home to truth together. Are you up for that? If so, I invite you to take this pledge with me. It's an expanded version of our monthly affirmation. And if you wish, you may stand and repeat after me, or you may sit there comfortably and repeat after me. But you have to repeat. Today, I return home to the divine I that I am. Today, I see beyond appearances in all situations. In all situations. Today, I live in the flow of God's rich abundance. Today, I return home to the knowing that God is my one and only source. Today, I return home to the knowing that God is my one and only source. Today, I see my oneness with all life. Today, I return home to truth. One more time on that last one. Today, I return home to truth. As you have personally returned home to these ideals, so it shall be according to the commitment of your heart and mind. And with this commitment to return home, 
may you feel the Spirit moving in you. So let it be. And so it is. Thank you.